Yé Mounla. You're listening to Kao Karaman Evie, Kao Karaman, the English version. Kao Karaman is a podcast about the representation of the Caribbean in cinema and television. I'm your host, Patra M, and get ready to celebrate Caribbean culture with me. And we are back. This is episode 11, part 3. I hope you're doing great. I'm doing okay. You know, I'm rushing to get to my deadline for my book. I'm staying busy, y'all. And yeah, stay tuned to hear more about it in a couple of weeks. Let's get into the episode. Mazudi is a film set in Trinidad and Tobago. It was released in 2015 and was even distributed in movie theaters in the US in 2016. It was directed by Todd Kessler and written by Claire Ince. Here's the plot. Anita Ponchuri, the dutiful Indian daughter of a deep in-depth businessman, is about to marry a wealthy Londoner when a chance encounter with local Trinidadian singer Lee De Leon set things askew. In search of news, De Leon agrees to perform at the engagement party for both families. Unable to deny their mutual attraction and with the excitement of carnival approaching, Anita must now choose between the answer to her family's financial prayers and the possibility of real love. Set on the vivid, colorful twin islands of Trinidad and Tobago and pulsing with the sensuous dance rhythms of soca music, Bazuti is a new style Bollywood musical with a distinctly Caribbean island flavor. In the first Caribbean Connection, we talked about how Bazodip displays the illusion that Caribbean culture is a cultural happy mix. The circulation of cultural elements, such as music and food in particular, makes one forget about the power dynamics between different communities. The love story in Bazodip is based on these tensions between the Afro-Caribbean community and the Indo-Caribbean community. And this is what we'll talk about in the next Caribbean Connection. The Caribbean Connection segment is to discuss how a film makes me reflect on my identity as a black woman, as an Afro-Caribbean woman, as a Guadeloupean woman, and as a French woman. A few weeks ago, Filmco re-uploaded Beam, which was released in 1974, and this film is a coming-of-age story, and it's centered around a young Indian, a young Indo-Caribbean man. So, these films exist. What I'm saying is, just in general, when it comes to the representation of Trinidad and Tobago films, I feel like Indo-Caribbean people won't be pictured as default characters. I mean, that's my perspective as a foreigner. That's why, even though Michelle Montano was the star of Bazudi, I thought that a film with a Bollywood concept was the perfect opportunity to showcase Indo-Trinidadian culture. Except that the Pontchery family feels disconnected from any cultural connection to Trinidad. The first few minutes of the film threw me off because I kept wondering if Anita was supposed to be Indo-Trinidadian, which means Indian descendant born in Trinidad, or not. By the way, the opening sequence is beautiful. It reminded me a lot of Guadeloupe. Anyway, um, so the first sequence when you see characters, it's one at Anita's home. And she's singing soca, and um, it felt really natural to me. 
because she was getting ready to go to the airport to greet her fiance and his family. And while she was getting ready, she was singing Galwag, which is a song that Marshall Montano released in 2012. I love the soundtrack so much. The songs, I mean, they just make me smile. <sighs> really, I just... that. I wish I could use songs in the podcast, but you know, I'm trying to respect the copyright. I won't bring back the Caribbean soundtrack, but yeah... Um, Girl, walk. Let me see you make your body move. You make me whistle cause you're something good. Oh, uh, you make my body feel good. One like a champion. I love the song. I mean, Anissa even said it in the film. So this sequence doesn't have much dialogue. I was shocked to realize that I understood Anita perfectly. After a year of, after two years of watching Korean movies, nine times out of ten without subtitles. I'm just beginning to distinguish some of the accents and I still need a few minutes to adapt, but not with Basodi. And that's what threw me off. Let me explain. When I heard Anita speak, I thought she had a British accent and that's what got me wondering if she was Indo-Trinidadian or British Indian. And then her cousin started speaking. I understood her as well, but there was some kind of accent. In this scene, only Lalima, the maid, didn't speak. And to me, there was clearly a different vibe. I really don't know how to explain it, but yeah, I, I went into the film thinking the lead would be an Indo-Caribbean woman. And I didn't feel like she was a part of the culture, but I thought myself, It could be explained with some background story. Anita went to university in London, so I get that her Trini accent would could disappear. And then comes in Daddy Ponchery. Clearly has an accent that is not Trinidadian because I understand him. And that's not a British accent either. So I thought to myself, he was probably a Bollywood actor. And the more the film goes on, the more I tell myself that I have already seen him because his beauty is speaking to me, especially when he wears a Sherwani for the engagement party. He looked so familiar that I had to pause and check out the full cast. His name is Kabir Bedi, and he's a great actor. Again, I'm like, hmm, maybe I saw him in a Bollywood film while I was growing up. But I don't have much memories of Bollywood films except maybe for Devdas, so I really didn't know. But I felt like I felt like I knew his face. And uh, so at the end of the film, I went back to his profile and read his entire filmography. And then it hit me. He was Prince Omar in The Bold and the Beautiful. You know, it's uh, it's uh, the US soap opera. He was the one who saved Taylor when she was in a plane crash in Morocco. And then Brooke and Ridge got married. And honestly, that's the only arc of The Bold and the Beautiful that I truly followed on a daily basis. It aired in Guadeloupe like during the late 90s. Anyway, Prince Omar was madly in love with Taylor and back then I couldn't understand at all why she still wanted Ridge when she had Prince Omar ready to give her the world. Well, of course, the adult I am today sees how manipulative Prince Omar was. 
My point was that my heart remembered Kabir Bedi 20 years later. And you don't know just how much I loved him back in the day. Anyway, back to Basadi. There's no ambiguity around Daddy Ponchoi's cultural identity. He isn't from Trinidad. Now, given the little info we have about Anita's background, what I understand is that he's from India, got his higher education abroad, and built his professional career in Trinidad. And maybe Anita's mother was Indo-Trinidadian, but since she's dead, there's no way to confirm it. That would explain how Anita was raised in Indian culture, but didn't leave the Indo-Trinidadian experience. And what sets the deal for me is when Anita begs Lalima the maid to let her come with her to a fete. So in the Caribbean context, the word fete means carnival party, which is why Marshall Montano's nickname is Mr. Fet. So Anita convinces Lalima to let her come with her to the fete by saying, this will be my last chance. Show me how you party. Of course, Lalima refuses because she knows that Anita wants to sneak out to see Lee. But Anita doesn't give her the choice. So you mean to tell me Anita grew up in Trinidad and never got to go to a fete? Not even once? Look, I get it. Not everyone enjoys going to a fete or to play mass. But how come you don't get to go at least once during your teenage years? And I say this as someone who is an introvert was already an introvert when I was a teenager and and I wasn't invited to the cool parties and everything and I still got to play mass. So I wrote a flash fiction about how I experienced carnival growing up in Guadeloupe. So it's called Tifomo Masla. I'll put the link in the box description. My point is carnival is so deeply rooted in Caribbean culture. So I cannot understand how Anita could have avoided the carnival spirit if she grew up in the Caribbean. See, these are little details like this throughout the film that makes Anita's cultural identity very ambiguous in my eyes. And to me, this scene with Lalima presents Trinidadian culture or Indo-Trinidadian culture as exotic, while Indian culture, represented by the fiancé and his family, is the norm. And the British Indian characters are the only rich characters in the film. As said in the summary, Daddy Pontchery is on the verge of bankruptcy. His hotel complex project is his last chance to recover financially. On the one hand, it will help the island's economy, but on the other hand, he will exploit an island that isn't the place where he was born. Unless again, he's actually Indo-Trinidadian. But Basodi displays a social-cultural ladder. At the top, there's the rich and powerful Indo-descendant community from Europe. Then you have the Indo-descendant community in Trinidad that kind of struggled, but that is still better off than the Afro-descendant community, which is at the bottom of the social ladder. And this brings me to the love triangle between Lee, Anita, and Barat. Okay, this might be spoilerish, but really it's not. I mean, it's a rom-com. <laughs> what do you expect? There's only one moment 
where the race issue is directly addressed. Anita calls Lee to let him know they can no longer see each other. She tells him that she never cared about him. It was just a bet to hook up with a black man. And that's when my heart almost stopped. I was like, no, why? We were doing so good at being colorblind. It was so unnecessary, really. Obviously, Anita was lying, but the storytelling choice shows that class is not the first obstacle to their romance, is race. This brings us back to the history of indentorship and the origins of the Indochindadian community. I'll be honest, I don't feel comfortable discussing this issue since I'm not Indo-Caribbean and I'm not even from Trinidad and Tobago. This isn't my experience, so I can only rely on academic papers and books. But from what I've read so far, academic research focused more on the emancipation of women and cultural transmission. And um, there's some kind of opposition, like Indian men are presented as retrograde and very traditional and their masculinity isn't considered up to par to the masculinity of Afro-Caribbean men who carry on their shoulders the usual colonial stereotypes, you know. Afro-Caribbean men have great physical strength, great sexual strength, and not necessarily great brain. Yeah. On the contrary, Indian men are seen like maybe more effeminate and stuff like that. In Basadi, Bharat is objectively the dream guy. Yes, he's very good looking, he's rich, but he also has a great personality. And like, okay, look, Marshall Montano is sexy, okay? And when he's on stage, he's even sexier, I know. But with the way the love story unfolds, I honestly don't understand why Anita falls in love with him. I'm sorry, to me, they had a great friendship, but they didn't go through enough realistic situations in which they get to know each other for her to figure out that she's in love with Lee and not Barat. Now, don't get me wrong, I think Anita wasn't in love with Barat, so she shouldn't have married him anyway. I didn't buy her being in love with Lee as the reason for her not to be with Barat. Anyway, that was just my opinion. The point I was trying to make was that the film doesn't care about Indo-Caribbean men and the film invisibilizes Indo-Caribbean culture. Apart from the carnival references and a beach scene shot in Tobago, everything could have happened. I won't go as far as to say anywhere, but if it had been London, it wouldn't have made any difference because the Pontchery family lives in a um, universal rich bubble. The film invisibilizes Indo-Caribbean people while reinforcing stereotypes about Afro-Caribbean people. No Soka No Life, I talk about it in episode 3. Aftermath, I talk about it in episode 9. Green Days by the River, I talk about it in episode 10. And Bazodi are all set in Trinidad. And in these four films, black men, Afro-Caribbean men with dark skin, are in a lower social class. In Green Days by the River and in Bazodi, 
they are not seen as potential lovers, but they create a relationship with a young quote-unquote rich Indian woman. This shows that Caribbean society is more complex than the simplistic vision of a cultural mix. Anyway, I may talk more about it one day with another film, but what I want to say is that Afro-Caribbean people in their Caribbean society still need nuanced representation today, Indo-Caribbean people also, and it is important to question this representation of the interracial relationship, and it's important to question this representation of the um, of the interracial relationship between Indian women and black men as a taboo today. And I'm not even going to speak on the black woman-Indian men pairing because that's a whole other discussion. Bazadi really didn't care about black women in... Mm. Yeah. Anyway, the social and economic dynamics in Bazadi reflect a double hierarchy. On one side, in the Indo-descendant community, there's this Indianity of opulence in Europe and there's this kind of Indianity of poverty in the Caribbean. And this community, which is not monolith, is placed above the community of Afro-descendants. I loved the film, even with all the inconsistencies, especially in the, um, in the last half hour of the film. But again, give me just a little bit of a love story. Give me some singing, give me some dancing, and I'm yours. It took about 10 years for this project to get done, and sacrificing the representation of the Indo-Caribbean identity was perhaps part of the contract to convince distributors outside Trinidad. I encourage you to read the interview of Pauline Cabidoche, the French translator of Basodi. I'll put the link in the description box. She talks about the difficulties to create common infrastructures between islands and the importance of subtitling to highlight the particularity of our art of storytelling. Oh, and you can also check out the panel I moderated during the first Conchelle International Film Festival because I talked about that also. In the end, Basodi shows an Afrocentric Caribbean culture focused on exotic cliches that may appeal to a non-Caribbean audience and if you're Caribbean, if you accept to be exoticized while whining to some of Marshall Montana's hits, you may also enjoy the film. One last thing, Barack Obama had a black father from Kenya and a white mother. He's actually biracial and he will keep the title of the first black president of the United States. So again, you can see for yourself how shallow the assessment of someone's blackness can be when it's based only on the color of their skin. Now, if we put ourselves in the Caribbean context, I believe that the question of Caribbean identity is even more complex for those who are not recognized as Afro-descendants, such as Indo-Caribbean people who are denied their Caribbean identity. Like I said in the previous episode, we still lack the appropriate terms to talk about us without using offensive terms, but I hope we will get there one day. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to my newsletter. For more Caribbean films, books, and music reviews, check out my website, carocaramon.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at carocaramon. 
If you want the podcast to get more visibility, you can give me five stars on Apple Podcast. Let me know if you enjoyed this episode. See you à dans le soleil. Ciao, bye.